you're listening to Fit Girl, Your Guide to Getting in Shape. This is podcast episode number 225. I'm Kira Langolf, your host and guide to getting in shape. As a professional fitness trainer, it's my job to get clients in shape quickly and keep them healthy. In this podcast, I'll reveal to you the shape up secrets I use along with training, nutrition, and motivational tips and advice. I'll set you straight on what works and what is a waste of time, and I'll be your guide to your best body ever. Check out my websites at fitnessmakeover.com and coachkira.com. In this episode, part three of Eliminating Carb Cravings, what to do in the gym to crank your metabolism and lose fat, and three easy steps to increase your self-confidence. Well, not too much to go over in the news section here. Um, we still have the survey up, so if you go to fitnessmakeover.com on the um, right-hand column, you'll see take the survey, the Shape Up survey, to help me figure out what we're going to be focusing on for this summer for you. And what else? I don't know. Check out the new Fitness Pro Shop and give me some feedback. In nutrition, we have part three of ways to eliminate food cravings, more specifically carb cravings. And in this one, we're going to go through some of the different things that you may not have thought of that can help with those carb cravings that you might have. Now, the first one is to fix your digestion. And some people will call it your gut. And that will definitely help eliminate some of the carb cravings because if your gut's not doing its job properly, it actually increases your cravings for carbohydrates. And there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, if you have increased inflammation, that can cause carb cravings because when your inflammation is elevated, your body actually becomes resistant to insulin's message that you are satisfied and that makes you crave more food. Now, another thing would be nutrient deficiencies. They're always a cause of cravings, um, especially with most people that I work with. <laughs> they, they seem to have a lot of uh, deficiencies, and that's what we fix, and then the carb cravings go away. But basically, if your digestion isn't working right, then definitely you're not going to be getting all the nutrients you need either. So another reason why to look at that. Um, if your food's not digesting, it's, you're not going to absorb the nutrients. And b- basically, carb cravings tend to be associated with deficiencies of the B vitamins, you know, the ones that give you some energy, and the chromium, the ones that um, help to regulate your blood sugar. So definitely got to take a look at that. Now, there's one more thing that comes with digestion, um, your neurotransmitter function. Basically, poor digestion can affect your neurotransmitters. And what that means is basically it increases your symptoms of depression, makes you feel blah. And a lot of times those symptoms lead you to go eat some carbs to make yourself feel better. And then it's almost worse than the diet cycle because you get depressed because your low, your low blood sugar hits you. You eat some carbs, you feel better, but then the low blood sugar hits you again and it goes on and on. So now knowing all of this, How do you fix it? How do you fix that digestion or or gut health? Well, the first one's kind of common sense. You want to eliminate foods that you may be hypersensitive to. A lot of people, that is uh, dairy and gluten. So of course you would want to eliminate those things from your diet. Now the next thing is you can use probiotics. 
and actually ingesting these high-powered probiotic bacteria and eating lots of what's called prebiotic foods can really optimize your health and how your body absorbs your minerals. Um, now, what is a prebiotic food or what is it in general? Well, it's, it's a special type of soluble fiber and it's mostly by the, used by the beneficial or the, your good bacteria as a fuel. So of course that's something that is, you definitely wanna have. Um, now it's not as hard to get as you may think. These are actually um, things such as onions, leeks, asparagus, banana. Uh, there's probably a slew of other, other foods that you can get this from, but of course there's also supplement form. And um, it's an easy way to just kind of keep yourself working properly and keep your digestion working so that you don't have those cravings. Now, the next part that you may not have thought about for your carb cravings is to control your stress. Now, you know stress does a lot of damage to your body and, and it can cause a definite increase in your carb cravings. Now, carb foods, they actually supply your brain with serotonin, which is synthesized from the amino acid tryptophan, and it makes you feel good. But when stress hits you, your serotonin gets depleted, zapped out. So you actually crave carbs in order to refill the serotonin. And then of course you add to the fact that stress also elevates your cortisol levels and you're gonna be in a bad situation because actually high cortisol levels reduce the desire for non-carbohydrate foods, making them much less appetizing. So if, if you are very stressed out and you have very high cortisol levels, you are not gonna be looking for fish and broccoli. You're gonna be having strong desires for cakes and sweets and cookies. So controlling stress is gonna be another way to help with those cravings. Now that sounds so easy, right? But how do you control your stress? Well, stress management is so important in everything we do. Of course, most important for a healthy body. And everybody has different types of stress releases. And for some people, it might be weight training. Some people might be walking or yoga or meditation. Some sort of way to help your body relax and kind of shut your mind off, maybe get a little distracted so you can let the mind relax. So stress release actually has been found to have a distinct effect on your body and it does decrease your cortisol levels. So it's very important that during the day you have some sort of stress release in your routine. Because as we know, stress can kill and obviously it can make you overeat too. Now, eliminating carbs, sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> not, not just because you won't eat, but actually lack of sleep increases the desire for carbs sweet carbs, usually, um, and fatigue from lack of sleep, well, we know it reduces your willpower. <laughs> you think, oh, little this, little that. Um, studies have actually shown, though, that people feel more hungry and make poor food choices when they're tired. And they could eat as much as 300 extra calories a day, which isn't that much, but when you start adding it up day after day, along with the other things, because you know if you are low on sleep, you're gonna be stressed, so that's going to lower the cortisol or increase the cortisol levels and boom, you've got two things working against you. Now, the other thing with sleep is that your insulin sensitivity and your glucose tolerance, they actually plunge when you are sleep deprived. And what that means is that your body goes into fat storage mode and it makes it kind of difficult to get out of that mode. So it's very important to get a good night's sleep and to really try to strive for that. I know it's easier said than done, 
but it's one of those things. If you're having issues with cravings, these are all things to kind of look at and see if you need to adjust or if you need to deal with. Consider if you're still having cravings is to be honest about it. Keep a food journal. You know I've said that a million times, but you never really know until you actually write things down and you can see your own patterns. So get some paper, notebook, whatever, and be honest and put everything that you have in your mouth on that paper or put everything on paper that you put in your mouth. Um, either way, you don't have to show it to anybody. Nobody even has to know, but you will take a review of it and you'll see what's going on with your food intake. You might find you're not having enough protein or you're not having enough of those prebiotics or you're not getting enough sleep or you know all of the above. And you shouldn't beat yourself up over it or, or feel guilty or anything. You just realize that, hey, I gotta make some changes. You know, think of it as information to help you get control of your cravings because cravings are always an indication that something's not right, whether it's your food that, that you're uh, not getting the right nutrients or your body's not digesting it correctly or you're not getting enough sleep or you're stressed. There's always a reason why you have the carb cravings. So once you can kind of look at everything in a journal form and kind of figure out where your trigger points are, you can go ahead and substitute some of those carbohydrates for maybe a, a lower calorie or lower glycemic carb, and then you're not going to do as much damage if you do have to have something in that realm. So identify you know, the foods and the situations that help reduce your cravings, you know, the, the stress release, um, maybe the different foods that satisfy you, um, and focus on those rather than, of course, you know, just letting things go. You definitely got to work on all of, all of this. Um, the last three episodes, I've definitely given you a lot of information and tactics to help eliminate those carb cravings. Now, one or more of these things is bound to help you. A lot of times it is a combination. But do me a favor. Be sure to comment either here on the blog or on the Facebook page for Fit Girl USA um, which one of those eliminating carbohydrate cravings tips, that's a mouthful, uh, works for you. You know, if you have the carb cravings, which one did you do? Which one did you try? Which, which tip worked for you and which one didn't? And be sure to pass it along to your friends because you know what? I'm sure everybody at some point in time has an issue with this too. Now in training, we have another multi-series that we've been working on, and this one is increasing your metabolism and burning fat. Now we're going to talk about today how to do that in the gym, what you need to do in the gym to help yourself burn more fat and increase your metabolism. I mean, that's what we're looking for. So these are actually going to benefit men and women, actually more women than men probably because weightlifting is the first thing, and a lot of times the women avoid that or they don't go heavy enough. So the first tip is train for strength and lift heavy weights. I know, deja vu. I, we just went over this in the previous podcast. But, you know, a lot of people, especially women who lift weights, don't use ones that are heavy enough to produce any real significant changes in their body. You know, just like the people that take aerobics classes and use the three-pound dumbbells and think they're going to really impact their, their body, and that's not going to happen. Now, amazingly, there's actually research to support this. The research found that um, when moderately trained women were allowed to pick whatever weights they wanted to use, they actually used loads that were 30% lower 
than the lightest weight needed to produce any benefit. So basically what that means is that the weights they chose for themselves were way too light to build muscle, to build strength, and even to build bone. And so they really didn't have very many benefits. And that's one of the things to consider. If you've been working out for a while and you've been doing your weight training and you're still not seeing changes, maybe you're not lifting heavy enough. And don't worry, we're gonna get into what is heavy enough. But basically, you also are gonna burn extra calories when you lift heavier, because you're working harder, okay? So gotta focus on the weights, especially the right ones. Now, a couple things first. I'm gonna tell you in the next tip how to figure out that weight, but just remember that if you lift heavy weights, your body's gonna respond by becoming lean and athletic. And you'll also increase your self-confidence too, which we'll get into later in this episode, but always focus and, and try to retrain your brain to think heavy weights equals lean and athletic, okay? So it doesn't get you afraid of them or anything. So going down to um, your next tip, which is how to use the right weights. How do I figure out what weight I need to use to, in order to see changes in my body? Well, of course, you're gonna use your repetitions as a guide because you are shooting for a certain amount of repetitions for different effects in your body. For toning and, and tightening and get tightening and getting your maximum benefit, you're looking anywhere from um, eight to 12 reps. That means eight at the low end, 12 at the high end. You know, basically 10 is kind of your midpoint, but you kind of need that range because you know, sometimes the next le level weight up is too heavy and Sometimes the one you're on is too light. So, you know, that's how you figure it out. So everything is a goal and it's an estimate. And that's why your workout log is so important because if you don't track it, you're not going to know if you did eight or nine on the last one. And if you felt like you could have gone heavier weight or not heavier weight, and you may end up never pushing yourself because you stick with the same weight. So when you're figuring out what weight you should be using, it's based on your one rep maximum. Now, to be honest with you, most people have never done a one rep maximum, and I wouldn't recommend it either because you know, you're setting yourself up for a potential injury to, to try to do an exercise at whatever weight you can do for just one repetition. It's really not a good way to go, and you, know, you risk injury. I, I don't even really do it with my clients. We do it the method that I'm about to tell you. Now, the weight that you can do 10 repetitions with and no more, which means you get to 10 repetitions and it's good, but at number 11, your form has gone to junk. That's actually considered 75% of your one rep maximum. So if you know what you can do, what weight you can do for 10 repetitions, and knowing that 75% of your one rep max, then you can figure out your one rep max right then. A Little bit of math, then there you go. Now, if you can do 12 repetitions, then it ends up being 70% of your one rep max. So again, I don't recommend doing a one rep max. Too much, just too much stress and, and on the joints and everything like that. So stick with what you know. You know, 10 or 12 reps, you know what you can do with that. You know when your form fails. So let's go through um, a little more specific advantage. When you're training to lose body fat, 
You know, we said you want to stay in that 8 to 12 repetition range for your best results. And you want to do anywhere from 4 to 8 sets. Now, that's not necessarily of every single exercise, but in general, at least that many for your entire workout. Example, um, for example, you're shooting for 10 to 12 repetitions and you're gonna do squats and say you're gonna put um, 105 pounds on the bar. This is probably more for some men than women, but anyways, um, you can find out by doing that, you say, okay, I counted the reps, I did 13. I could actually do more than 13. Then you know right then and there that your weight needs to go up. You need to add a little bit of weight, whether it's one pound per side or two pounds per side, just any little bit of weight. Now, in the same respect, if you can do eight or nine repetitions and nothing more, it might be a little too heavy. You could certainly continue to train at that eight repetition range, and eventually you're going to get to nine, ten, and then you'll say, okay, I need to increase the weight. So these all go in your training cycles. You know, that's why you can't do the same program all the time. You need to switch it up because you can go for some strength. You can go for some more endurance. Um, either way, you need to have your body progressing. You know, you should be getting a little bit stronger in certain exercises. Now, certainly the exercise order can change how your body reacts. And so you might not be as strong one day or in one program as another program either way. But when you do finish up whatever your training, I call them cycles because they're usually like three, four weeks of something, um, and you decide it's time to build some strength, then you have to work in the lower repetition range. So if you're really, your goal is really good solid strength, you're looking at three to five repetitions, much lower. Um, and of course your weight will be heavier. But in the same respect, if you want the strength and the body fat changes, you're looking for the eight to 12 repetitions, eight being the minimum, 12 the max. If you can do 13, you better increase that weight and go for eight repetitions. In the same respect, if you can't get eight repetitions, your weight's too heavy. I mean, that's just it, that's basic, that's what you wanna follow because that's how you get results. And yeah, you'll hear me say this again, without a workout log, you don't know what those weights are and you won't be able to push yourself that one extra pound or two extra pounds in order to get your body to change. So next time you're in the gym, keep your journal and take a look and see, you know, could you realistically have done more than 10 repetitions on that weight? So couldn't you add a little bit of weight and shoot for eight reps? So focus on that. Let me know how you do, and I bet you you're going to be surprised at how much more weight you can lift and how much more quickly your body can change. Because you know what? Heavier weight means more work, means more calories burned. And of course, as you add a little bit of muscle tissue, you're going to get smaller, but you're also going to speed up the metabolism. So your body gets tight, which is smaller, and you lose weight. All right, so moving on. The next thing is another, another thing that you've heard me say a million times, have a plan. Now, you know that anywhere you go, you have to know how to get there. And the gym is no different. You need to have a plan when you go into the gym. Otherwise, you're going to kind of falter around, do a little of this, a little of that, and, you know, that's it. But if you have a plan to follow and you can either keep it in a log, which I would recommend, or at least have it written on paper, you know, you know, okay, I'm going to do this, that, and this today. And then next time I come to the gym, it's going to be this, that, and the other thing. And that's going to make a difference. And it's actually called periodization, if you want to get fancy about it. Um, basically, your, your body can adapt pretty quickly. 
and it's going to be different for different fitness history or different fitness levels. But you want to continue to make some sort of progress. And in order to do that, you got to switch up the workouts. You got to switch them up only so often. So again, having that plan enables you to say, let's go heavy here, and then I'll go um, 10 reps for three or four weeks, and then I'll go for those uh, eight reps, you know, and really try to gain strength. If you're really worried about bulk or whatever, then make your strength cycle six to eight repetitions. I mean, that's pretty much, I would stick in the five to six rep range for strength. Um, it's a lot easier on the joints, and you still get the benefits. So let's go ahead and do another example of this. Um, if you're training for strength, per se, over the next, say, four to six weeks, you continue to increase your weights. You should be able to increase the weights about every two weeks, even if it's just a little bit, like a pound or half pound. And believe me, they do have um, one-pound magnetic weights that you can put onto your dumbbells or barbells. They're called plate mates. Um, I have them. My gym has them, and they're wonderful because you, it gives you that little extra that sometimes you need. Now, the other thing with your periodization is that besides changing it up, it also allows you to set some little midterm goals. And it might be for, okay, the next six weeks, um, my bench press is 100 pounds, and I want to increase it to 110. I mean, it doesn't have to be 100 to 200. It's just some sort of goal for you to work towards so that you know, okay, I'm halfway through this part, and... You know, I'm only still at 100 pounds. I'm not pushing it or something's not right. Maybe your eating's not right, not enough to support your workouts. could be other things. But you're not going to be wasting time repeating the same workouts if you have it all planned out. And I mean repeating the exact same weight, same reps, same everything. Um, that's definitely not going to push your body to change. Now, when you're tired and you have to get your workout in, you don't have to remember what you did last time. You just look at your paper. You look at your plan. And it definitely makes your workouts go much more time efficient because you're going to go here and there and boom, you're done. So periodization is something that you may have heard before. And it really just means having a plan to mix up your workouts. Like, for example, for myself, I do usually anywhere from three to four-week cycles. Basically, I get the same workout done per body part um, at least four times. And that way I can see if I'm progressing in strength or, or whatever my goal is. And I do switch it up. Sometimes it is eight reps. Sometimes it's six reps for strength. And it's not always the same for every single body part. Some of them I'll go for endurance. Maybe I'll do legs for endurance, um, maxing at like 10 repetitions. Um, and that same cycle, I might be doing very heavy back exercises for maybe five repetitions. So you don't have to be across the board. You can certainly mix it up. Um, now, let's see. We've got a couple other things that are definitely going to help with fat loss. And this one goes right back to what we were talking about before, stress. Okay, things that cause stress are not just... In addition to, I should say, your normal daily stress it would be diets, you know, too much cardio. That's all considered stress as well. And that's definitely bad for women's bodies because it really messes up our hormones, which you may know when you get stressed and overtired, you're cranky. 
to take from this is not just avoid stress altogether, which would be great if we could, but it's not realistic, but it's to realize there's different kinds of stress. And eating poorly, skipping meals, skipping breakfast, that is considered stress to your body. That's going to make you hold on to body fat. Um, extreme exercise, too much exercise, whether it's cardio or whatever else you do for exercise besides weight training, um, that, that also is considered stress. And, you know, your body has to recover from your workouts. And if it doesn't, then it is deemed as stress. So remember, and then, of course, your cortisol levels go high, and we already talked about that, and then your hormonal imbalances, and all these things add up basically to why you're not losing any body fat and why your metabolism isn't changing. So take a look at your program, and if you're overdoing the cardio or you're overdoing the diet, or worse, you're do, overdoing both of them, then that's a very solid reason why your body is not changing. Now, to kind of go back and give you one more last tip that also has to do with that cardio, you might be saying, well, well, then what should I do? And basically, besides your weight training, that you should do heavier with less rep between I mean, less rest between sets. You can also do some sprinting. Now, sprinting doesn't have to be all out, but it has to be a really strong effort, especially if you're new to to doing sprints. You know, your body's not going to be used to it. It's not going to really be ready for it. So you have to do just a few sprints at a time and slowly add them in. Now, when you're doing this kind of workout, you're actually going to be... Um, burning a lot more calories in a lot less time because you're working a lot harder and a lot more intensely. Now, your cardio, just to let you know, doesn't really build your lean muscle. And if anything, depending on which type of cardio you're doing, it could make you lose muscle, which again is why women have the, the slower metabolism and it gets worse by doing too much cardio. And of course, if, it, if, the, if your metabolism goes from slow to worse, you're kind of in trouble there. So that's where, again, the weight training is so crucial to turn that whole cycle around and get you a little bit more muscle so that your metabolism increases. And that makes it not only easier to lose weight, but easier to maintain weight. And I think that should be the common goal here is permanent weight loss by boosting your metabolism permanently with added muscle from weight training. So that way you can have your cake and eat it too. And it is definitely possible. I know I've done it, and so have many of my clients. You just have to have a little bit of blind faith that you don't have to do all that cardio. You know, that's the hardest thing for women is to stop doing the cardio or to only do it maybe twice a week. You know, that really seems to mess with the minds. And a lot of times people will say, I don't like weight training. Well, you know, a lot of times you just haven't had a good exposure to it or a good experience. So get a trainer, have them set you up on a plan that's written, and follow it. And then I'm sure you're going to see results and you're definitely going to change your mind about what you think about weight training. So keep in mind that the weight training is not only, you know, making you tight and tone, but it's also making you lean. Whereas your, your cardio is probably just helping you with endurance and your heart function and lungs. And sure, that's also wonderful benefits. But if you're looking for weight loss and a permanent metabolism boost, by now, you should know where to go. So let me sum all of this up from the last couple of episodes and everything as far as how to really boost your metabolism and burn body fat. Uh, number one, your first priority should be weight training. 
If you really want to change your body, that needs to be your first priority. Then your second priority would be some interval training, such as sprints. Um, some people do those strongman exercises, like the, the weighted sled or um, circuit weight workouts like CrossFit. You know, whatever you think you enjoy, or whatever you do enjoy, I should say. Um, it doesn't mean you have to kill yourself, though. Don't take that as saying don't ever go running or biking or CrossFit or whatever um, for pleasure. I mean, sure, do it. Exercise is always good, especially when you enjoy it. But just remember, if your main goal for a while is to reduce your body fat, you might want to make some other choices and do those as like your bonus workouts. For a minor plug here, if you have problems um, setting up your own workout and planning out what you should be doing, I have several options for you at the Fitness Makeover Pro Shop. And you can just go ahead on over there and check them out. I won't even get into the details right now. Just know that there's plenty of solutions for you there. Now, in motivation, we're going to talk about your self-confidence and self-esteem, and more specifically, three steps to make them both better. So I want you to think right now about your self-confidence and your self-esteem, and on a scale of, say, 1 to 10... Rate yourself being, uh, number one, being non-existent, I have no self-esteem, I have no self-confidence, all the way up to 10 being I am over the top, totally self-confident, uh, very high self-esteem. Okay, so let's say 10 would be you go to the gym, you work out with weights, and you don't care who else is in the gym. If you're a woman, you don't care if there's all men on the weight training floor, you go in, you do your weights, you know, you don't, you don't let anything else bother you. You're completely confident in everything you're doing. Or do you go in and say, oh my gosh, there's two people. I'm not, I'm not going to do any of this. I'm just going to go sit on the bike or something. Okay, figure out where your confidence and self-esteem are. You know, a lot of people have serious issues with these. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of easy ways to help make it better. You know, it's not an overnight fix, but it's certainly something that can help as you grow and learn more about yourself. Now, is your confidence, when you, st when you stop to think about it, is it you or is it your ability to do something? Okay, because you can be confident in yourself, but not confident in your ability to ride a bike. Okay, two different things there. So we're talking about, you know, deep inside how you feel about yourself. Now, remember, just like any habits that we need to change or any way that we want to change the way we think about ourselves, we have to do it consistently. And it certainly is going to take some, you know, dedication. And a lot of times it's a struggle for people to really recognize the person that they are, that they have very much high self-worth and high self-esteem and great self-confidence, you know, they need to realize that, yes, you're worthy of that. And that's not easy for a lot of people. But I'm going to give you um, three simple steps to help increase your confidence. And this does come from the Mindset Makeover book. So if you need more details or help or worksheets or whatever, um, that would definitely be a great purchase. Um, I know a lot of people have benefited from it. And the first thing you're going to do is fix your self-talk. You've heard me say that before. What you say to yourself is so important to everything you do. That's going to make or break you, okay? Acknowledge that you have emotions. You know, sometimes you're upset 
and you want to eat, but that doesn't mean that you should. You know, sometimes you're upset and you want to skip your workout. That doesn't mean you should. You know, fix your self-talk and say, yes, I'm upset, but I'm going to do this workout and I'll feel a little better. Or I'm upset, but eating that thing is not going to make me feel any better. So acknowledge your emotions and, you know, basically give yourself some powerful statements to say. And that's something that's going to help get you through some of those tough times. And then you can take a look through what we call the emotion checklist and try to figure out where the origin of these emotions are coming, is coming from. Sometimes, again, that's easy and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you need a professional therapist. But if you at least try to look and say, okay, when did this start? What is the trigger? Because there's always triggers. And if we can figure them out, we can definitely fix them or eliminate them altogether. So first and foremost is always be nice to yourself. Fix your self-talk. Make sure you're saying nice, supportive things to yourself. Whether you believe it or not, your mind does. So even if you need to lose 20 pounds and you tell yourself, I am lean and sexy, that's what you want to do. Tell yourself that your mind will believe it and it will help your body come in sync with that. Okay, so just because something sounds crazy doesn't mean you can't say it to yourself as long as it is positive and supportive. Now, the second thing would be to recognize and acknowledge your own success, certain things you've succeeded in. And I know, to be honest with you, I tend to be guilty of this. I look at the things that I have not achieved as opposed to some of the things that I have achieved. And I always try to look at the glass being half full, but sometimes when it comes to myself, I'm a little bit harder than I am on everybody else. And we need to sit back and say, hey, wait a minute, I know I didn't get this, that, and the other thing done, but you know what? I achieved this and I achieved that and I'm proud of it and I know I can achieve things you know when you've had one or two successes on anything it could be um, a test it could be learning how to drive it could be learning how to do some weight training exercises Um, it could be um, writing a book it could be anything that you felt you completed and were successful with that's something that you need to acknowledge. And I have always thought that we should have a book where we write down all the good things so that on days like this, you can go back and you can look and say, oh, you know, I forgot that in 1980-whatever, I did a five-mile run and I did a triathlon, you know, I mean, things that maybe you forgot about. So keeping a what I call a feel-good book so that you can go back and look at it when you're feeling kind of down and you need to remind yourself of some of the successes that you have had, then you've got it right there in a book. And it's going to make you feel better. It's going to bring you back to that positive point. So recognize and acknowledge your success. Okay, don't just say, oh, that was in the past. Recognize that you did something great. And part of that goes with accepting compliments. Sometimes we have a real hard time with that. It's okay when someone gives you a compliment to say, thank you. You don't need to say, oh, I didn't do my best, or oh, it was nothing. You say, thank you. Your self-talk and your subconscious mind don't want to hear the negativity. So don't try to discount all of your successes. Just be happy about it and take that compliment. Now, the third one kind of 
maybe goes a little bit against kind of what we just talked about, but it's forget your mistakes. Well, I guess it doesn't. If you are recognizing your success, you also can forget about your mistakes. So I guess that doesn't conflict. Um, if you are insecure or you, you, know, you don't feel comfortable about certain things, talk to someone you trust. But you definitely want to make sure you learn from your mistakes. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Now, hopefully you don't make the same mistake two or three times, but approaching your mistakes as a learning experience will tell you that, hey, I got something out of this, and maybe you succeeded by learning something from that mistake. So everything is always a learning experience. What you do with that knowledge and that learning experience that makes the difference. So do you embrace it and make changes, or do you let it happen again and again? Ultimately, we're all about self-improvement, so we know I've made that mistake, not going to do it again, or at least I'm not going to try to do it again. Um, these are the ways I can change my actions so that, the, so that that doesn't happen again, and that's one of the things of evaluating yourself, and of course, that's going to help with your self-esteem and your self-confidence because you're going to realize that, you know what, I, I can overcome this, and then you go write that in your little success book, and so that when you having some little waning thoughts or whatever, you can look to your, well, I love me book and say, look at all the accomplishments that you have, or maybe even the things that other people have told you that you've helped them. Um, all things to make you realize that you are very worthy and very much an important person to many, many people. And just never forget that. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.